Hello, everybody. How's it going? Good. How's your Monday? It's pretty decent. <laughs> cool. That's great. All right. <laughs> that was all I asked for. Awesome. Okay, so as you will see, I'm talking about where's my true acceptance found. Um, but you guys are kind of coming in the middle, unless you've been following along at home or have been here for weeks before. So I'm going to explain a little how we got to this point, just to give you some context. So the first three weeks of camp, our chapels were and devotionals were all about um, God's story. That was week one. Um, how he purposed us to be in relationship with him. That is the main story. God's pursuing relationship with us. Then week two, we talked about our sinfulness, which disrupts God's story in favor of our own story. We try to tell our own story that we prefer over God's. Um, and there are consequences to that, um, the consequences of sin that lead to insecurities and different things that we believe about ourselves when we follow our own story. Um, and then three, the hope that we have in Jesus to redeem God's story, um, to restore us to that relationship that we were originally created for. And so, um, yeah, that gave us a hope um, after hearing a lot about, yeah, sin and that brokenness. And then last week was all about our response. Um, so how do we respond to a God who loves us and made a way for us to come to him? Because he invites us into that relationship with a grand gesture of sacrificial love, dying on the cross for our sins. Um, and so that prompts in us a response of loving him back if we truly understand the extent of his kindness to us and the debt that we were freed of, which is that sin and that brokenness and that life of insecurity. Um, but... That response can look like a lot of things. Um, so we decided to give uh, a few weeks to this, to some important and relevant examples, um, to show the ways that our lives are transformed and fulfilled by having a relationship with Jesus. So that's what this week's about. Um, and I decided to share today about my own struggle with desiring acceptance. And it has been going on for almost my whole life, and it's come in many forms. Um, so even when I was really young, um, I was definitely, like, the good girl. Like, got a lot of those comments, like, exemplary student or, like, I don't know, like, parents dream something. I don't know. That sounds, like, really built up. But, like, even now I kind of cringe at it because it's just kind of <laughs> those surface-level comments. And you're like, okay, but is it real? Um, but at that point, you know, I was eating it up as a kid. Like, you just want that, right, that approval um, from your parents or from adults that you look up to. And so I was kind of set up for that. I was set up for receiving all that approval and desiring it. And so once I got to my kind of late childhood, early adolescence, like middle school years, um, it's like grade six to eight especially, um, I moved into a new school in grade six from an elementary school. So there was three new schools that came into that middle school. And so a lot of cliques started to emerge, which weren't there in my elementary school years. And so uh, I was like friends with these three other girls who were kind of like four of us who stuck together a lot. Um, and these girls were kind of like the popular girls, and so I was like popular by association um, just because I hung out with them. 
Um, but I, again, was like kind of used to that, had it around me and desired even, even more of that popularity with other girls um, who, yeah, I had idealized in my mind as like, they were like the popular girls. Like I wanted to be friends with them. They always look like they're having so much fun and like knew what they're doing. And I was like, cool, that would be really fun. Um, and even to the point where like, I remember grade eight, my yearbook, it was kind of like this collection of like notes from people of like the friends that I had made. Like obviously we were friends if they like signed my yearbook and had like a little personalized note. So looking back, I was always so like proud of that because I was like, oh, look at all the friends I made. Um, but those friendships were definitely surface level um, because by the time we came into high school and those friends I had made through like being in classes together and things like that, where we were kind of forced to be together. And when we were no longer forced to be together, yeah, we weren't so good of friends anymore. Um, and so even the like best friendships that I had, like those four, that kind of core four that I had, um, didn't really last all that long. Um, so I remember at one point we were asking each other, like, who would you hang out with if you didn't have us? You know, and like each of them kind of had their own response of like, oh, I'm pretty close with like this clique or this group. And if like if I didn't have you guys, I'd probably go like hang out with them. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I have no idea who I would hang out with. Like, I'm not close with anyone other than you guys. Um, like, you're the only people I would actually go to during breaks and stuff. Everyone else, I'd be like, kind of like, hey, is it okay if I'm here? Kind of thing like that. And so it came to a point um, where I think midway through grade 11, um, two of those girls who were, like, more of the popular ones decided to cut off our friendship. Um, one of them I've been friends with since I was like three years old. So I was like expecting that to be like a real one at least. We had like time on our side. Um, and I was definitely like broken by it. I was like heartbroken because um, I loved having those friendships and I thought we were close and I thought it was real. Um, and I didn't really imagine being away from those friends ever. Kind of like that situation of them asking like who would you hang out with if you didn't have us became real. And I was like, oh no, like I actually have no one now. Um, so that was like definitely hard at first, but I'm really thankful actually looking back at what came out of that hardship. Um, firstly, I was disillusioned from the idealized view of being popular. I found out what true friends were, and that became way more valuable than that popularity. Um, I learned how to be one because I did have one friend from that group who modeled what it is to be a true friend to stick by your side and not let that acceptance of those other girls get in the way of being that true friend and, and doing what was right, sticking by a friend's side. And then I also learned how to find um, people who were good friends to know what that would look like, the ones who would value me as a person and not for what I could offer them. Or how, um, yeah, so how I was as a person to them became what, what was why we were friends instead of, yeah, you're popular or you have really cool like toys or house or whatever. Whatever it was at that age that was really cool and made you want to be friends. And so I was able to let go of that idol of popularity and acceptance to become more genuine in my personality. I was able to be more myself because of it and in my faith. So that was something that I wasn't really able to share because they didn't really want to listen. Um, but I started to have friends who were like willing to listen and talk about that with me. And so I made some of my most genuine friendships in that, that kind of like 
second half of grade 11, grade 12. And that was only like a year and a half compared to like that 14 years that I had those other friendships. So it's not even about time, right? It's about, um, yeah, genuine friendships. Um, and so this issue has been going on past that as well. Like I'd like to say, oh yeah, I broke free from like desiring popularity and I say like I, I say that yes I've kind of broken away from that but that idol of acceptance is definitely still there um, so one kind of recent example is this last year I was um, doing a research project in university um, with a professor as my supervisor who I really looked up to and respected like I thought he knew what was up he knew what he was talking about and I wanted him to think I knew what I was talking about and like impress him and things like that um, with how much maybe I knew or how quickly I could learn or things like that and so it actually kept me from asking questions because I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing or that I wasn't catching on or whatever else. So I was kind of holding back in that way. So my craving for acceptance became destructive and becomes destructive even now when I don't live by the truth that I am accepted and loved by God first and that the opinions of other people does not change that um, and that it only... It's only when I believe that I am freed from the opinions of other people and that idol of acceptance. And so if you think about it, like people, we change our opinions of each other all the time. Like someone does something nice, oh, they're a nice person. They do something mean, oh, they're a mean person. Like we define their character by those little things and it fluctuates so easily. Um, but God's opinion and his promises do not change. They never change. And so we are going to look at a few passages. You have them? Okay. So we're going to open our Bibles to Ephesians 1. And you can maybe share with those around you if you don't have one with you. Also, if you do not have a Bible here at camp, come talk to us. We do have some available. You can for keep, or if you just want to borrow it, that's okay too. Okay, so I'm going to get going on the reading. Hopefully you found it. Ephesians 1, um, which speaks to these promises of how God accepts us. Um, we're going to read, the first section is 3 to 5. I'm kind of going to read through it. You can follow along as, as I go. This first section, 3 to 5. Um, so all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So here... The author of Ephesians, who's the Apostle Paul, talks about how ingrained we have been in God's plans from the very beginning and how great of an inheritance we have in Jesus, uh, meaning that we receive what belongs to God because we now belong to him. We are his family, just like you would inherit something from a family member because you're kind of like within that family and those belongings kind of become yours. You inherit them. Same thing with God. We become um, part of his family, and we receive everything that he is um, that becomes ours. 
And so, yeah, we can definitely see from the beginning he has chosen us to love us unconditionally. Um, so I'm going to continue reading on through 5 to 6, uh, 6 and 7 and 8. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered, us, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Um, so these promises are only the case because of God's grace to us. The definition of grace is it's an undeserved gift. There's nothing we could do to earn it. We cannot ex uh, earn his acceptance or love. It is just a gift that he freely gives us. He did it because he wanted to love us, and it gave him pleasure to do so. So this is when we know we are truly loved and truly accepted, when there is no justifying reason. You know, it's, it's hard to tell if, you're, if you truly have a friend, if you think the only reason they like you is da-da-da, fill in the blank, you know? And you hear that a lot with, like, celebrities like who don't know if the people in their lives are there for them or there for their their popularity right their status and it's hard to know if people are truly there but if you have no reason if someone loves you and you're like I have no idea why you love me because honestly like I've just treated you horribly and rejected you and shown you no love and they're like you know what I love you anyway you're like okay you must actually love me um, and that's the case with God because we don't deserve that love we did reject him we chose sin. We chose our own way. Um, but he has forgiven us despite our sins. So we know that that is true love. Um, and just like in my own story, I was not truly loved and accepted by my friends in school because as soon as I stopped doing what they approved of, I also lost their approval and acceptance. And so, yeah, it's easy for people to lose regard for others when they're not committed to that person. So obviously my friends are only committed to me to the extent that I was acting the way that they um, we're expecting. And we can see clear examples of Jesus' um, love for us in places like marriage relationships or with parents and their children um, because there's a commitment to love in those relationships. It is not a love that's based on what you do. It's based on that commitment. And so I'm going to read, continuing on in Ephesians, that speaks about God's commitment level with us. So in verse 13, we're going to skip down a little bit. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. That's a really important one, so I'm going to read it one more time. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so he could praise and glorify him. So God has been fully committed to us from the very beginning of time. He made a way to bring us back to him even when he knew we would stray. And he has given us a gift so that we know we are his, which is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit given to us is his spirit living in us. It's a mark of belonging to God. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, that is how we know we belong to him. That he has given himself as a promise to know that we belong to him. 
And so even the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living in us is what tells us this promise. It says so in the Bible, but that Holy Spirit in us also testifies to that. As it says in Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so this is the kind of love that we can count on when we have Jesus in our lives. That no matter what we do, and he knows everything about us, he knows all that we do, all that we think, all that we are, he'll still be there with open arms. That is a promise. And so I'm going to end off with reading Psalm 139, so you guys can flip there. And I'm going to read the whole thing. So Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so, yeah, just a reminder that this week is about responding. So it's our choice um, to respond to God's grace. Whether we'll let that truth sink in that he is the only one who will ever truly accept us and love us and know us completely. We can try to gain approval or acceptance from others in our lives, but it will never come close to the love that Jesus has and continues to show. We will always be searching for more with people. There'll, there'll never be enough acceptance or approval from people. We'll always need to keep finding ways to appease or please them because their opinions change all the time. But God's view of us always stays the same, that we are his beloved children now and forever. Um, so I'm just going to pray, and then we will move on to the next thing. Dear Lord, um, yeah, I just thank you, God, for how much kindness you have shown us um, from the very beginning. 
knowing that we would be a people that reject you, you still created us and desired relationship with us and did what needed to be done to be in relationship with us um, by sacrificing your son on a cross. Um, yeah, Lord, I, I thank you for the ways that you have taught me um, about true acceptance and true love, um, that it is not of this world, um, though we can find glimpses of your love and acceptance through others, um, that ultimately my desire, my need for it is only fulfilled and satisfied in you. Um, I just pray for um, these staff, these support staff, that as they are on that journey of figuring that out, God, and letting that truth sink in, that you would just make that more real to them than ever before, um, that you have chosen them from the very beginning, that you love them, that they are your child, um, and that you desire, yeah, just to have them in relationship with you um, over and above all the other things that we seek um, above you. Um, yeah, so I just pray for the rest of the evening that we would, um, yeah, respond to you and respond in love to one another because of that as well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.